You're listening to Cam's Talk, a podcast brought to you by the service users and professionals from East London NHS Foundation Trust. A podcast where you can hear us discuss, debate and challenge issues around child and adolescent mental health in the UK. Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of Cam's Talk. In today's episode we will be discussing pride, why it's so important and what meaningful support and representation looks like. I'm joined by some amazing young people and some professionals as well. Should we go around the room and introduce ourselves? Hi, I'm Mac McLean and I am the Equality and Diversity People Participation Worker for East London Foundation Trust. I'm also co-founder of Rainbow Bedfordshire. Amazing, thank you for joining. Hiya, I'm Sassy, one of the Digital Participation and Suicide Prevention Leads for Bedfordshire CAMS. I use they them pronouns. Hi, I'm Jay. I'm the other suicide prevention and digital participation lead and a participation support worker in CAMS in Bedford. Hi, I'm Ash. I'm an ex-service user who works closely with CAMS and ELFT in kind of training and workshops and all that. And last but certainly not least. Hi, I'm Az. I use human pronouns. I'm an ex-service user and I also work with CAMS, especially in ELFT, for things like interview training, gender identity training, and I'm an artist. Amazing. Thank you everyone for joining today. I think a great place to start would be, what is Pride? What does it mean to you and why is it so important? Yeah, I think pride is a movement, isn't it? It's his, it's a historical thing. It's a movement of activism. And I think it's so, so important, more so now than ever, because you feel like you need to have that group. You need to have that strength. I think that's what it brings. Yeah, definitely. I think pride is about visibility. It is about not needing permission to exist in a space just as you are, surrounded by other people who are also coexisting around you as this beautiful bunch of humans. And it's the support and it's the shared experience and it's the, we have come an awfully long way, but we are not finished. And it's remembering that Pride is still a protest as well as a party and that place and social connections and things, but reminding ourselves that actually we've still got a lot of work to do and we need to be moving in the right direction. Yeah, I think it's a place for it's for unity and drive to join together to continue fighting. Because like Sassy said, we aren't done on the change. We've still got lots to change still. So it's keeping that momentum going. And the protest side of pride is is what's most important. And But it's also a celebration of how far we've come and also how different we all are and how we can embrace our identities. But front and foremost, I think that's what you have the saying. Um, is the protest and the drive and, and joining together to make those changes and at Pride event type things is where you can really feel that sense of community, hopefully, or at least that's the intention, I think. I think kind of like what Jay said, for me, Pride is really about community and specifically our community. And I take that to be a way to think about the people that came before us, that got us to where we are the people that are still here that helps push us even further and the people here right now who are the future of securing us the respect to just be ourselves and live free and happy lives. And also Pride is like a nice bubble where we can for a moment just be ourselves along with protesting for our rights. We get a chance to be in a community where we are not for one second doubted or judged. I think for me, mainly pride is kind of about safety, inclusivity, but also teaching. Um, very similar to what I said about obviously um, teaching 
kind of maybe my own generation or like the younger generation about what pride is really about so obviously it's very commercialized we obviously want to know about the realities and how it isn't obviously what's always shown on the media because the media can glamorize a lot of the the more hidden side where we want 110% of pride to be safe and to be an enjoyable experience not something to be worried about in the dark corners where there isn't safety yeah i was thinking about visibility that sassy was talking about and i was thinking about sort of diversity as well thinking when you see pride parade for example and you see the amount of different groups that are moving through that. A lot of them are not visible a lot of the time. And it's those sort of intersections of identity, isn't it? So, And all marching together. And this is where I think people are in their bubble, so they're inclusive in their space. And then on that occasion, they're all together in another inclusive, bigger space. And while that feels a little bit like it's a bit surreal, because that isn't what life is normally like, that kind of involvement, that kind of inclusion. At the same time, it's quite magical for a lot of people. It's People remember their first pride, you know. Following on from that, I wonder if people wanted to share like their experience of their first pride years going forward. What are some of the similarities and differences and what's changed? I did my first pride very heavily closeted. I knew what was going on, but I wasn't ready to share that yet. And my dad took me to Hertfordshire Pride with my sister because my sister was out. And I just remember buying everything with a rainbow on it because I'd never had this opportunity before. And it was like a secret way. I was like covered in rainbow stickers and glitter and waving a flag and, and being such a good ally for my sister. And I used my sister as, as my excuse to kind of celebrate me and how I wanted to be seen, but wasn't ready yet. I cried a lot. Definitely cried a lot. Cried far too much for an ally at Pride. Um but it was such an incredible day. And I like I, I still remember that feeling when I got home of the the warmth. I felt seen even though I was visibly hiding. I, I was I was closeted. I wasn't ready to be out. But I, I felt acknowledged in the space, which was so important. I think I came out a few months later. I think it really it had a massive impact on me and my self-acceptance as well. And I still I still cry at pride. I will still buy something with a rainbow sticker on. I will still leave covered in glitter. And that feeling when you get home of like the warmth and the, I think it is a visibility thing for me. I think it is the, I'm existing in a space I don't have to ask permission to exist in, surrounded by people that get it. Seeing older people as well that are further ahead in life than me and being like, you're you're here and you you seem to be doing okay. And it's it's that bit of hope, I think, as well, which is really important to me. I think when you said about visibility and how you, there's all that visibility around you in that space, and yet in a way you weren't visible yourself, yet you still found where you belonged. So it was like that first step towards that that self acceptance, isn't it? Is yeah, I mean, it's, it's finding your tribe, isn't it? It's that thing, even though you can't be out there. You know, there are places where people can because you're in that place. So yeah, things I've... can change. It was my first experience meeting other queer people. Being out in a public high school was very like isolating. Uh, so I, like when I came out, I only came out to a few friends and then I took it back immediately. But there was no one else around me that was like me. And then obviously my sister came out. And then I got really anxious because I didn't want people to think I was copying my sister. So I kind of just held off on it. And then I get into this field and I'm surrounded by people. And a lot of my anxiety about myself as well came from kind of anxiety around not being accepted by my parents so my dad bringing me there and my, my stepmom 
and I remember like just watching watching them watch us at the front dancing and crying and watching them like holding hand and they look proud and that for me I think was a massive step in the right direction for me accepting myself and then being honest about who I was because I could see that actually they were proud of me. It, it sounds like one of those um it's like a turning point isn't it a real um moment when you can remember that something shifted in your life. I think the first prize that I went to was in London and it was somewhere called Victoria Park in London and it was nothing it wasn't loud if there was a parade I didn't turn up on time for it it was kind of a little bit like a few weeks ago having gone to Cambridge Pride it's a little bit busy there's some stalls around there's breathing space you know you felt like you belonged I say it wasn't too small but it wasn't too overwhelming either and that's what this was like but at the time I wasn't actually out as in that official I've told everyone thing I might have kind of in my life been sort of behaving you know having relationships which would kind of give away that you know I was queer but I would never actually sat down and said to anyone you know I'm queer I'm gay I'm anything like that I just lived life and I went along to this thing and I was seeing there were people who had words for what they were there wasn't a huge amount of range of words like the essence of like the amazing world we're in now but at the same time, people did define themselves as something. So to me, that was quite a moment that they were defining themselves. I think mine was when I was 15. I've been out a couple of years and my family came with me to Trans Pride in Brighton. And I can't remember how that conversation came about. I think we knew it existed. I probably just said, let's go. But I don't remember what made them come. But I've been most years. I just remember for me, like, like the others have said, it's... It was the first time I'd ever seen that many trans people or just any other trans people in the flesh. You know, I was the only one at school. You know, it was always made aware to me that at school they'd never had a trans person before, so they didn't know what to do. And I was often found to be the difficult one to be around that many people of all ages, of all identities, of all characters. was really enlightening for me and my family as well to see that there are loads of people that are happy and that are different ages and that are achieving all their own things and that it was a safe place. It's very much still, that event is still very much a protest more than a party, like a lot of prides seem to be now, but it was safe. It wasn't a protest that felt unsafe. And I think that's what they found comfort in and also what I found comfort in. I think even now it's the only pride I really go to because I don't feel safe at any other place. And I think generally in my whole life, the only place I feel truly safe is when I'm there and sad that that's only once a year. It's like Christmas to me, I think. <laughs> I remember last year walking down like the one of the main roads through Brighton and we were surrounded by people and there was like people roller skating. And I remember seeing people, buses were being held up by the march. So people on the bus looked annoyed and there were people like looking at the march annoyed or angry but I didn't feel vulnerable whereas I feel vulnerable most of the time when I'm out and about especially when people are looking like that and if pe and people were looking at that and I didn't feel unsafe about it if anything it made me feel stronger because we were walking by like anyway we're here this is our road now it's been blocked off for us so it doesn't matter what your face says but that was like the only place that I feel that so very exciting so yeah I think that was my first um, time meeting trans people and being a pride, I think, which is very epic. So I grew up in a very kind of, okay, yeah, you can exist, but you're not allowed to talk about it. 
you need to be really, really quiet, which really, really sucked for me growing up because I used to watch a lot of American media where I'd always watch like all of the these really, really big parades. And I always, always, always used to want to go to them. And my first kind of parade or my first pride in a sense wasn't one of the big like the marches like you see in London or in Brighton. It was actually this quite small event that a childhood friend of mine's, like her community centre, I like to put on. It was literally in a really big field. It almost looks like um kind of a little bit of a like a festival. It had like gazebos with like food and drink and it had like little craft tents and it was like this big, big middle of June um big pride event. That was kind of my first time, like a lot of other people here meeting other gay people other other trans people I came out as a lesbian first I wasn't quite sure what my gender identity I kept that very hidden for a long long time I was so worried that people were already iffy about me coming out as a lesbian oh my god they're gonna hate me if I say I'm this and this because I didn't in my head didn't think I could be more than one because I wasn't sure if that would be pushing my limits even though I know that that's not a thing um when I was a little bit younger I must have been I think 14 maybe pushing 15 um and I went to that and I never felt so safe in my life because obviously like I said I grew up in a, in a quite a small town where you can exist but no one's gonna care no one's gonna defend you no one's gonna protect you because you're supposed to be quiet about it and and that was my first event and I remember it as kind of my my first pride in a sense even though like I said it wasn't one of the bigger events it opened me up because that's what mainly opened me up to gender identity I had no idea about the vastness and how absolutely amazing the idea of gender identity is and I met so many people that day that I'm still friends with now and I don't know what I would do without them in my journey when I came out as, as gender fluid. I don't know what I would have done if I didn't have them. But I have been to a few um, of the Brighton and London events, but I would like to do some more bigger events in the future. Thank you. And as? Well, here's the funny thing. I have actually never been to any kind of formal pride or informal pride, really. Um I think I can still answer the question because for me, I've still had a lot of moments that have felt to me like a sort of pride parade stand-in, although I'm sure nothing can come close to being at an actual protest or parade. I've been out since forever, since before I moved to where I currently am. It's always been, you can tell when you see me, when you hear the way I act. Um, And it's always been like that since I was little. So I've had a lot of very small moments of people behaving in ways that have granted me pride. I think one of the funniest things I can think of that was really sweet was before I came out as trans, one year for Christmas, um, we were allowed to put a list of whatever we want at Christmas. And so on my list, I put, I'd like the trans ally flag. (laughs) And I put a listing for the transgender flag um, on a thing to my parents and this was fully not intended as a way of coming out I thought I was being subtle and I go I want this flag to express my allyship to the trans community and my sister bought it for me off of the um, list and I opened it in front of my parents on Christmas day and nobody nobody said anything they just went what's that and I go oh it's the flag the ally flag and they go oh cool and everyone just sort of smiled and that was not quite a formal pride, but it was, I received this thing and everybody around me knew what it was and they went, okay, well done, I'm glad you like it. And some other things like when I first 
realized I was trans but have not came out. I wear a lot of patched jackets, so I painted some stripes in the colours of the trans flag along the bottom of the hem. And I was out and somebody saw and complimented me for the bottom of my jacket. And I went, I looked at them and we kind of exchanged a look. And then that sort of progressed to having friendship groups full of other queer people, being able to not have my binder on around my friends and not feel any form of judgment. Those kind of little peaceful moments where I can just exist and the people in my life don't do anything. They don't judge me. They love me as I am. And so for me, those are kind of my collection of first prides, I'd say. I was just thinking about that. I was thinking it's almost as if after that point when it's sort of solidified in other people's minds and you feel accepted, it's almost like you're living pride. Do you get what I mean? It feels like you're living it and you're in control of it. You're not going because someone's made it happen and you've gone to go to it. You've actually embodying it. And it was quite poignant when you said about not having to wear your binder in front of friends. You know, on on occasions, actually, it feels okay not to. Even that in itself, there's something about pride and autonomy, isn't there? That's like kind of bodily autonomy. It's like, actually, you're you're in charge, you belong, you accept it, and it feels good. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, And I think, because there are a lot of people within the community that are super accepting, and they'll go to accept right away. And you can feel safe around them, but it's hard to feel fully comfortable and so in little spaces where you can just share a mug with a tacky rainbow on it and nobody says well that's a bit weird or pulls a face or goes hmm people are shoving it down your throats these days you know I have friends that are gender fluid that fall under the umbrella that can be around me and be dressed in ways that around some people you would go are you sure you're really trans dressing that way which first of all horrible thing to say but my point is that people being able to share in other people's comfort being on the other end of it and being around other trans people and other queer people and them feeling safe is a really nice way to just share pride with people and that's kind of how I've celebrated. I was just thinking about like the little flag and actually some of the little flags could be more powerful than the big flags because big flags everyone's there aren't they but actually as you're walking through town you've got a small flag And that connects someone to you. And that could be really life-changing for that person. I was just thinking about the idea of symbols and how positive they can be, really. I like what you said, as about the the trans stripes on your patch. And I had that exact experience at school. Someone I saw around who I have later known has now come out, had a badge that clearly they'd made themselves of the trans flag. And I remember it was in the first few months of me starting the school and I kept walking past them. And then once I was just went, I was like, I really like your badge. And they were like, thanks. And then it was like, okay. And we both walked our own ways. But then I always remembered that over the years. And obviously I was out. Everyone knew whether I wanted them to or not, but this person wasn't. And then later I found that out and I was just like, oh, <laughs> I'm so, I'm so pleased that this has happened. And I think, like you said, it's those little wins and those little moments of pride that you can live in your everyday life without having to go to an event. Because pride doesn't always mean a party or being out and loud. It can be the little things you do every day that make you proud to be yourself and proud of the journey that you've been on. 
being proud of something that you didn't choose can sometimes be quite hard and something that my brain is still trying to work through. But I think it was worded to me once of you can be proud of the journey that you've been on and proud of your younger self for doing the things that you did. It doesn't have to mean shouting and celebrating. It can be when I was 13, I came out. How, how cool is that? How brave was that? So being proud of that sort of thing and being proud, like you said, about not wearing your binder in front of your friends or little things you can do in your life that give you that affirmation and that confidence and that comfort in yourself. Putting on aftershave and smelling different or holding hands with your partner. It's those little things that, but those everyday things, I suppose, that can bring you that pride without attending a big event in a city. This is where allyship becomes really important because a lot of my personal pride is, I'm not going to lie, is given to me. I, I really struggle to accept who I am. And my friends and like the people around me notice like the gender affirming things that in their say. And it's like those, those tiny little things. And again, like Jay said, they're not small things, but they seem small to people that don't get it. And it's, it is those moments of genuine euphoria. Like I remember when I came out as bi, my family, they didn't not get it. But it was kind of like, a, okay, this is a thing and we're never going to address it. And my nan bought me a rainbow sponge to take on holiday with me. And she didn't say what it was for. She didn't say anything. But I knew. And that was just like a little, that, that was the first time someone in my family had acknowledged that it was a real thing. And that I was being taken seriously because I came out fairly young. And it was just, just this, she didn't need to say anything. I knew what it was. And then the following year, she asked me to come to B&Q with her and brought a load of rainbow plants for her garden and then strategically laid them out in the pride flag in her garden. And I'm like, Nan, you've just brought gay flowers, haven't you? And she kind of was like, oh yeah, you know, got, got to do my bit. And it was just so, so pure and so lovely that it was just that recognition of actually like what I'm feeling is being reflected and you're taking me seriously. The tiny little drip feeding things, it really just builds up the picture of pride and having those important people around you that are able to do that for you when they know it's so important, when they can see you're low, when you can see that you're dysphoric or scared or not safe and they step up and they, they do that for you is is so, so important. Yeah, I think that's right. It's those 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 small things. It will just this keeps coming back, doesn't it? The small things that are actually massive for people. And the, just the small things that are negative can build up and up and up and can have a really bad effect on your mental health. Actually, the accumulation of all those little things can sometimes be better than a massive parade. Yeah, so it's if throughout your life things are improving, like people are getting it, people are kind of, yeah, this isn't so hard. I'm getting used to you. <laughs> You're not going to change. <laughs> you know, there's that adapting as part of the acceptance. There's me, Sassy, saying, oh, gender fluid people, they never change much. <laughs> it's like, change as much as you like. <laughs> if you didn't, you'd be inauthentic. <laughs> I think it's really important as well. We do have to acknowledge that pride isn't accessible, whether that is financially, because it's too loud, because they've not bought access routes properly, and you have physical disabilities, whether it's so anxiety provoking, all of the barriers surrounding kind of like police visibility at Pride. All of these different things stop Pride being accessible to everyone. And I do think things are getting slightly better. And I think people are being more comfortable to be loud about it not being accessible, which is so, so important. But being able to celebrate pride in your house, in your family, in yourself is so important because the realistic situation is that not everyone is going to be able to go to pride. And I think we've spoken quite a lot about little things that you can do for like visibility and pride that are just as important as showing up to a march. 
remember when I was younger, I used to carry a lot of guilt about not going to these big marches. Like I always wanted to go to London and I was never allowed to because my mum said it was too dangerous. I was walking around as a 16 year old going, I've let the community down because I'm not there. And it's like, that was a lot to put on myself as a, as a child. And it's not your personal responsibility to carry the weight of the community. But if you want to show pride and be visible, there are small ways to do it if the big things aren't accessible. In the Martin Luther King quote, something about if I can't do great things, I can do small things in a great way. And I think we probably have all had those times when we thought, I feel like I should be at that protest. I feel so strongly and I want to show how strongly I feel and I should be there. But something is stopping us. And usually it's actually access. So I kind of wanted to talk about accessibility a little bit. Because <laughs> I was just thinking about trans pride and just thinking about the amount of work they actually put into making it accessible. As someone who always has to plan accessibility before everything else, I've been really warmed by the fact that when I look into the trans pride work that they do to make things accessible, they've got a really comprehensive equality, diversity, inclusion policy, and it's intersectional. And I believe in it. I have faith in what they're doing. And if that means they might potentially keep certain things small, as in the small but great things, to be more inclusive. I mean, I think that's magical because what happens is you have a pride and then the pride grows and grows and people just get so excitable, so excited. It's like getting bigger and bigger and bigger, but all the time they have to get more security. So to get more security, they have to get more sponsorship and then it grows bigger and bigger and then they have to get more and more. And soon it's a corporate event that it's hard to hear yourself think. So I'm looking forward to going to my first trans pride this year because I feel like something's really considered here. Over the years, they've seemed to really take on board what people have said. Like, I think last year was the first year they introduced like a shorter route because obviously most marches is this is the start and this is where it will end. But that's often a long way. So they have a point halfway through where people can meet and then merge in. And I think that makes so much sense. Yeah, I think that's a wonderful thing. It's about finishing it as well. With disability, yeah. you start something but can't finish it. But what they've given you there is, hey, join in the middle so that your route is a bit shorter, but you can finish with everybody else. Mm -hmm. You can complete what you started. I really yeah. have a lot of respect for prides that acknowledge community feedback. And like this year, Luton Pride happened. And after that, they sent out like a feedback form. And it was anonymous as well, which really relieved a lot of my anxiety. And it's that genuine community feedback where they go, this worked. And do you know what? This didn't work. And the things that other prides have glossed over, they had considered. And that is because they asked for community feedback. But like the bigger ones, I wish they would do that and do that community outreach work and actually hear from the people in the communities that they're putting these on because so many different people then would be able to exist in this beautiful space that we're all trying so hard to put together. And I know money is a big factor in these things and sponsorships are what makes them work. But the more corporate it gets each year, the more it feels like we're moving away from what Pride was actually supposed to be. Because these corporates don't really want someone getting on a stage and saying things that might be a little bit controversial. If there are these big corporate names attached to them, then they get a bit jumpy around that because they want to protect their image and all of that stuff. Whereas like, and I'm going to give them credit for it again, Loose and Pride, they, the drag queens were quite political. And I'm not going to lie, I was sat there like, I am, I am impressed that you are able to do this. And it was nice. And I had a lot of respect. I felt a lot safer in my hometown than I think I have ever felt. And I've lived there for 20 years. Pride is political, isn't it? <laughs> 
and taking that away is defeats the point and i think like you said in terms of accessibility you said about money and in terms of for these events to get bigger they need money but also a lot of the large prize now aren't accessible because there's a financial cost to attending the fact that they can sell tickets to some of the main prize just is quite disgusting and it's like you know show where the money's going but also by having any money involved in attending you're blocking people out and yeah i think that's it's frustrating and I think as well, like you said about accessibility in terms of age, making it age accessible is so important. And I think a lot of the ones I've been to have had a lot of great family spaces because there's a lot of kids that go to Pride, whether that's because they are in the community or their parents are or their siblings. So having those spaces, whether that's the whole event or having dedicated spaces for children is so important. And that's what I always find the most emotional thing. It's the different ages. It's the elderly people that are there. And I'm just like, this makes me emotional. And it's the children, especially at trans pride or spaces where gender identity is the main thing going on. It's seeing the kids that you can tell aren't out in their day-to-day lives, but you can see that they're themselves in that space. And that always makes me cry. Because often, as we've said, as it goes into party and, and celebration, in comes alcohol and drugs and that's not accessible for a large amount of people regardless of age there's so many reasons that's not accessible that's one of the things that puts me off going to a lot of the larger events because that is very much the attitude now and again safety and location i think you were saying about smaller communities feeling safer like i wouldn't go to certain events i might feel safer at a pride event but if i don't feel safe in that town or that city i'm not going to go because i'm going to feel even more vulnerable in a place that i should feel safer I'm from Bedford, which, while it is a very inclusive town in all aspects, I understand why and why we don't have a pride. But what angers me is most people's excuses is we don't have the space. Yes, we bloody do. They've just put on a George Ezra concert. They've had proms. They've had thousands of people. The amount of people I hear when they say, oh, it's this, this and this. I'm like, why are we making excuses? There shouldn't be excuses. We'll have the mayor and we'll have the council being like, we're inclusive. I'm like, where's the pride? Because the only thing we'll get is the stickers in the Mackey's High Street window. That's literally it. We shouldn't be catering to the homophobes. When people use the excuse of space, I always bring up, we have the Kite Festival, we have the River Festival, we have the proms, we have all the concerts that are held in all of the parks. So there is no excuse for safety. Because what angers me is I've been to so many events that I then think, Well, if they're able to do this in a safe and secure manner with plenty of policing, plenty of security, why is it then a hush-hush when it comes to doing a pride? I'm not even asking for a parade. I'm just asking for an event, like a parks event, or just something for the LGBTQ plus community of Bedford to have a safe space, because for too bloody long have we felt uncomfortable in ourselves when it really shouldn't be like that we shouldn't have to cater for people who don't like us for us bedford has the ability to make it inclusive and safe so i want to know in reality why is that not happening but it's more just if we have the space to do the concerts and they can be safe because they can be policed and they can have security why is pride suffering because it's more the fact that I don't have the money to travel to to Brighton to loosen as much as I'd love to to go to their pride events it's I'd love to see something local I'd love to see that improvement 
I think there was a big shift in the way Pride was this year within the community of it was less love is love and grab a rainbow and more trans kids deserve to become trans adults, protect our safe spaces. Allyship is so important when you're actually doing something, not just whacking a rainbow on the end of your email and calling it a day. And I really appreciated that shift in the community. Um, If I could kind of follow on from what people have been saying, one thing that, as someone who also lives in Bedford, one thing that really upsets me about the lack of pride or care for pride in my local community is Bedford is one of the most ethnically diverse towns in this country. Bedford has such a wonderful mix of different races, ethnicities and cultures. You know, I myself am of an immigrant background. My family is multicultural. My neighbourhood is multicultural. And there's something about the intersectionality of Bedford is, especially around the town, a lot of people say it looks horrible. But what it is, is this is a low income area in a lot of places. And this is also an area that's very ethnically diverse. And both of those things are, of any queer people, those who are poor, those who are homeless or unhoused, and those who are of colour or immigrants or disabled, these people need pride. Pride is a part of every single culture, every place across the world. I mean, for example, my family is Turkish, and in Turkey, having pride parades is very illegal. I can never visit a place that a lot of my family is from, because I am a trans man and I'm very visibly trans. But there are still people over there fighting for parades and for the rights. And the same goes for countries that people assume to be more conservative and religions. People have a lot of hatred towards for no good reason. You know, there are queer people everywhere in every culture. And so for a place like Bedford with such a high wealth disparity of this this group of a lot of people who are very well off and then the large area of Bedford being very low income it is hard because you the people in power have the means to set up a pride we have space we have one of the largest in England free festivals every two years we have the resources you know it's it's not that we don't it's that there's some kind of stigma there's something baked into the unsaid status quo that we can't have it this way and it really upsets me because people that are vulnerable here need it and that's why that's partly why it makes me so happy that we have things like this um podcasts ways of independently talking to the vulnerable the disabled people who you know need it the most you know, as someone who's been in that position of being a vulnerable and disabled trans person, this kind of thing is really important. So kind of, it's it's not all doom and gloom, but it's also a very dire situation that we're in. Uh, I don't want to put the impression on anyone who's listening that everything is hopeless. We just have a lot to be fighting for right now. Yeah, I'm going to go off basically what I was saying there. Um, And the main thing is education inside and outside of schools. I've got another quick little anecdote. When I was in school, I had first came out somewhere between year eight and the beginnings of year 10. Like I got bullied a lot in most of my my years in education. I was severely, severely bullied. And I'm getting called the F-slur. I'm getting called the T-slur. I'm getting 
so many words that I would never dare to use in my entire life because they are so hurtful and so horrible. It took me years to go and talk to my teachers and I kind of wish I never did. And this is why after I had basically gathered um, all kind of the evidence, the names, the text messages, the DMs, the group chats of people talking about me, cyberbullying me in and out of school. Um, and I went directly to the deputy head teacher and my form tutor. And I came to them with all of this evidence, um, basically a folder of evidence of this year's worth of, of homophobia, transphobia, this bullying. That meeting went nowhere. I struggled so severely in my secondary school because the staff weren't trained. They weren't. They weren't trained in, in how to comfort young, vulnerable gay people, young, vulnerable trans people. It got so infuriating that I lacked that sort of justice. And then that's when I started researching into how many other people, how many other gay people are not getting the justice they deserve for things that have been done against them especially at protests when gay people are protesting for their rights to marry, their rights to live, their rights to be treated as a human being are denied and are brought back with acts of violence and acts of aggression. And I just feel like we need to have some more intense training for teachers because now, especially this generation, are, are a lot more confident. We're a lot stronger. And I just want every young gay and trans students to have full access to the education that they deserve without any sort of violence to be put against them because I was my mental health was really really bad during those times and I don't wish that upon my worst enemy because it's not fair and it's more the fact that I know it wasn't outwardly that uh, those people who used to bullies me's fault because that might just be the way that they they weren't brought around to kind of know because I certainly wasn't. I knew, I'd, I taught myself a lot of things through media, through social media. So I know if you're kind of not either exposed, not exposed to it, but if you're not brought up around it or it's not something that's talked about, you're not going to have a clue. And that's not your fault. But it was the fact that I, not, I don't want anyone to have to go through it because it's just not fair. And it's a basic human right to be treated as a human, to be able to marry and to be able to be who you know you are. It's not even who you want to be. It's who you know in your heart and your soul who you are and you have every right to be that person. I think that's a very powerful point, Ash, and you said it so well. And I think it's brought about some important discussion about education and togetherness and unity and moving together in the right direction. As a queer person who likes to indulge in a lot of media by queer people similar to what we're making right now sometimes I come away feeling like man this is hopeless and especially when you build up all these like angry feelings and emotional feelings inside of you you can think there's there's nothing I can do but if you're like feeling that way after thinking about some of the more pertinent and political points we've made during this podcast I think what I take away and the way I, I deal with those kind of feelings is to think that sadness and anger you have in your emotion is really, really powerful. And that power is what led us to get our rights. And that power 
is not just felt by you, that is felt by all of us. And that's a shared thing. We all feel quite despairing sometimes about the fact that the area we live in is unaccepting, our, our country is unaccepting, our families are unaccepting. But that power, that emotion you feel can give you so much drive to go forward and make things better. And by being able to analyse things yourself, by being able to critically look at the world around you, you're setting yourself up to be able to be a part of a better future. Because the more you critically analyse and pick apart the flaws in these transphobic, homophobic legislations and laws, that's how it came first. That's how they did it before. And that's the way to keep making progress. And you know, you're allowed to feel low about it. You're allowed to feel upset. Um, and you should also give yourself space for that. But hope is not lost, not when so many people are so passionate about moving forward and making things better. So yeah, if you're a bit like me and you can get very emotional, feel quite low when you think about it for too long, I hope that kind of helps. Amazing. Thank you, Ahas. I think everyone's been so brilliant. Thank you for having this conversation today. To end on a positive note, I thought we'd go around and say, what's your favourite thing about pride or the ways that you show personal pride? I find this quite a hard question, but I think that's good. It's good to challenge. I often ask myself this question and don't get very far. But I have a few things that I do think about. I think pride in, in like I said earlier, in my looking back and how far I've come personally, I'm proud of my younger self for being stronger than I ever will be again, I, I think. But also proud of the community and how far we've made changes before and how the changes that were made in the past around gay rights are going to happen again in, in trans rights. We don't know how long that's going to take and we don't know how that's going to look, but I find pride and hope in the fact that that will happen. And proud of other people in the community that are louder than I am and acknowledging that there is no right or wrong way to be to be gentle stuff, I suppose, but and through work, I suppose, and supporting young people and just looking at younger people as well, younger than me, at how strong people can be. And I'm inspired every day by the young people that I work with who are more insightful and more focused than I was and I am now. And people that have made those changes already before me and people that are older than me as well. That, you know, I'm proud of everyone as a community. So I'm struggling to be proud of myself. I can be proud of other people. I find that easier to look at. So, yeah, that was a bit long-winded. But, yeah, it's still something I'm very much working on and trying to work out. Jay, I think you give a good point about the time for reflection and when times seem dark, there's always looking in the past and seeing good things and knowing that those things are going to happen again. I also found it a difficult question and then it sort of started unravelling in my head as people are speaking and just thinking, earlier I was thinking about how do we bring pride to people that can't get to pride and then I thought my biggest pride in myself is actually bringing things to people, making things accessible, saying, okay, my car's not big enough to get you all to London to march down a random street really loudly but actually I can try and give you something that you need that's close to home and I can give you something that's close to community and we can have some visibility because visibility is pride isn't it? Mark your work has been so 
valuable to our communities. I just wanted to say thank you. And Ash? So I've always been into like the clothing, music and media side of, of Pride, especially with a lot of the, the artists from the 80s with Kiss and their kind of whole music and clothing and makeup. So I kind of love how we still have that now, the inclusivity surrounding music and Pride, clothing and Pride and, and everything like that. Because I think similar to you as I'm very into the, the punk style, the gothic style, I love punk and goth kind of pride and and it's just yeah I just love the media and the clothing and the music and it all I love I'm, I'm so excited to see where it's going to go because of where it's reached already and I'm really looking forward to the next five ten god fifteen years and how it's going to just get fingers crossed better and better yeah it's that hope that it sort of brings us along and makes us work yes oh I like this question um so I am, I'm a punk. I like to wear a lot of packed clothes every day and spikes and chains and everything. And for me, one of my favorite ways to show my pride is the large collection of pins and patches I have all over me with subtle pride flags, historic pride flags, very modern pride flags. Just, I like to wear my pride on me and it makes me happy because I remember being that kid, seeing a punk person with a gay patch on the back of their a battle jacket walk past me and thinking, wow, that's so cool. And now I'm in a position where I get to walk around with all my flags and I see little kids look at me and go, whoa. And for me, that's it helps me feel proud of myself. And it's fun. Amazing. And I bet you look amazing with all those pins. Just like, really. Um, thank you everyone for listening today and hopefully we see you on another podcast you've been listening to cams talk a podcast brought to you by the luton and bedford cams team and the luton and bedford service user participation group if you'd like to hear more from us just go over to camstalk.com and subscribe you can also subscribe on itunes spotify google podcasts or any of the other platforms that you're using Once you've subscribed, you'll get notification on your device every time we release a new episode. If you want to comment or share your views, you can contact us on Twitter using at camstalk, or you can send us an email using info at camstalk.com. One last thing before we go. Don't forget to use the hashtag camstalkpodcast whenever you comment on social media. We'll speak to you soon.